Russian guy. Uh, we're, we're overlooking downtown Kansas City in his really cool loft today. And uh, Nicholas Segura has agreed to speak with me today. How are you today, man? Good, good. Uh, thanks for uh, asking me to be part of your show. I appreciate it. Well, I got to see you speak at a local event, and I just thought, man, that guy's got an interesting story, a really neat perspective for our town. So why not, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, I always like to know, to start out with, now, you are, if I remember right, a KC native, right, Nicholas? Yes, uh, born and raised in Kansas City, Kansas. Awesome. So uh, you're from the dot. That's yeah. cool. Um, and you're not there now, but a lot of your life is spent over there, right? Yeah, uh, certainly my formative years, high school years, uh, my family is from Kansas City, Kansas. My grandparents uh, are from Lawrence, Kansas. Oh, wow. So, you know, uh, definitely, you know, I'm a third generation Hispanic American. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, from there, uh, did you take off like a lot of folks do, go see the world from Kansas City and end up back here? Or what, where'd your journey take you, you know, after school? I have, uh, I have uh, been to a variety of different places. I mean, as far away as Shenzhen, China, when I did some importing work for a company. Um, but years ago, my father was the president of the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, or the executive director. Oh, very cool. Here in Chamber. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and the executive, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, the national chamber, was actually founded here in Kansas City as well. So wouldn't uh, have thought that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of innovators out of Kansas City. Not only that, but the advertising club was actually founded in Kansas City as well. So the overall national advertising, yeah. American Advertising Federation was founded here in Kansas City as the advertising club. You know, somebody had mentioned something like that to me a couple months ago, and, and I did a little bit of Googling here and there, and I didn't realize Kansas City really has a pretty rich creative and advertising history. Absolutely. Kind of the Mad Men era and everything that a lot of folks, you know, assume that's all Chicago and New York. But yeah, we're, we're known to have the uh, largest advertising club in the United States. Huh something every day that's yeah. very cool so what what brought you back here man just well just always right as I was mentioning my father was the uh, executive director of the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and that really gave me a, uh, a large connection to the area as well as when I've told this to a lot of people that when I was 21 my dad was taking me to business after hours very and cool. teaching me how to network and he always told me that my network of contacts was the most important thing and how to be a resource to people um, uh, so that when, when, when people need a thing, they would come to you for information. And if you could, if you could provide that service, then they would come for you for more information. I like that. It's yeah. a very simple and easy way to understand yeah. how to do business. Real simple philosophy. Okay. So after you, uh, you did some college, I think, uh, did you go up to Atchison to Benedictine for yeah, a while? Yeah, Benedictine for a while. As a, I got a, a presidential cool, scholarship up there. Cool little town. Uh, it is a cool little town. <laughs> it's a little too small, though. Uh, and and it, was, it was challenging for me as well because I was raised with a very liberated view of the world. Uh, and so to be at a, 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 a Benedictine college... Uh, was Pretty tight. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's a very... It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a perspective of the mm -hmm. world. And I, I knew of a much broader world. I was raised watching the national news every night and, you know, know about different parts of the world and their, their impact in the United States. So, uh, so when I, I finally got up to KU, and that's where I really kind of like got to spread my wings because I got to meet people from different countries every single day. Yeah. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Good experience. And then after that, you ended up uh, 
if I remember right, you started your own agency here in KC, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I had a short career in, 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 in um, uh, short career in training, corporate training. I worked for the United States Postal Service and DST uh, training that. new new employees all the way up to upper management. Um, but then, you know, they consolidated their businesses from the St. Louis and, and, and Denver offices here to Kansas City. And, you know, therefore, they didn't need so many uh, trainers to go back and forth. So, you know, I was the odd, odd guy out. I, I, I was always the, <laughs> the one that uh, tried to wear the corporate suit, but I always just didn't fit didn't quite fit right. Quite right. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, but uh, 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 I went to uh, meet with Cece Rojas right after they let me go there. And I said, Cece, I need a job. And she said, go down to Dos Mundos Bilingual Newspaper. They need a, they're looking for people. And uh, Dos Mundos, uh, the, the local bilingual newspaper, okay. uh, they've been around for more than about 30 years, if, if not more. Um, they hired me on the spot to work with corporate clients. And so I started working with clients like Sprint and Anheuser-Busch and the Kansas City Royals. Um, which had never done any advertising with uh, Dos Mundos before. Hmm. But what was interesting was that what I found was when I met with those clients, oftentimes they were, they said, Nicholas, we've got money to spend with you. We just don't know what to do with it. You know, we don't have the creative made for it yet. So correct me if I'm wrong, but that sounds like that's where the light bulb may have went off, where that was kind of your tipping point. Mm -hmm. Like the understanding the future for you that, these companies don't get the market that, that my community is around me. Is, that, is that true? Yeah. I mean, an example of was one time um, I had a client who sent me down a year's worth of print advertising. You know, Dos Mundos is a newspaper, uh, print. They sent me down the print ads. None of them were in Spanish. And none of them had any faces of color in them whatsoever. No Hispanic, no African Americans. And I was like, guys, do you have anything that, that we can you know, show some diversity? And they're like, we don't have anything. Yeah. This is what we got can't really communicate a message if it's not readable. I knew that I knew that ad campaign was going to be doomed. It was, you know, it was going to run for a year at the end of the year. It was I was going to call them back and say, you know, what can we, let's extend it. But I knew that they weren't going to find any success because people need to see themselves in those ads. Well, where's the connection? Exactly. If, if it doesn't look like you or it doesn't, you know, sound like you, etc., right? Exactly. It doesn't make sense. Well, it just it just I mean, when you're dealing with a uh, Hispanic newspaper. You need to have something that is culturally relevant to that audience. Do you find that um, the Hispanic community makes a stronger cultural connection than than others do, as far as with marketing, advertiser, things yeah. like that? Yeah. Whereas maybe that's ignored in others. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the thing is that um, Hispanics tend to uh, hold on to their cultural roots a little bit more okay. in the United States. I don't know. I wouldn't say it's a generational thing because, you know, um, like, for example, when I look at a lot of products that are like Dave the Dead focused, I'm like, you know, that doesn't really speak to me because, yeah. you know, I, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not 65 and raised in a generation <laughs> that like likes that type of stuff. And, and, I, and I wasn't raised Catholic either. Um, I remember one time when I went to Emporia State on a tour during college, they took a group of us, uh, college students who were touring colleges. So the first thing they place they took us to was the local church, Catholic church. And all of us were in the van going, why are they just doing this to us? Because other. none of us went to church. Interesting. And they just assumed that, we, you know, you're Hispanic, so you got to be Catholic and you got to have a big affinity for that. So you got to know oh. that audience and, you know, find out what, they, what what's really attracting them. So it sounds like you had a lot of experiences that kind of built up and eventually just said, 
you know what? Corporate America is kind of tone deaf to our community. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, the, what we found is that, and what many studies, ad age, uh, uh, advertising, marketing uh, uh, magazines have found, is that there's still a serious uh, lack of diversity in the advertising marketing industry, communications industry, the media industry. Uh, and that's why there's such a lack of faces on uh, television. Like, think about how many Hispanic faces do you see on television? Or can you think of? Gosh. <laughs> I, t- I think of, uh, if you watch a cop show, there's always a white cop, a black cop, and an Hispanic cop, okay. and then uh, a strong female lead. It's like a formula, right? Yeah, yeah. But that's what comes to mind right off the bat. You might think of Sofia Vergara on oh, yeah. uh, Modern Family. Okay, yeah. So there's one, but when you think about that compared to the number of African-American or white uh, uh, audiences uh, or actors, uh, it's still lacking. But when it comes to media, uh, the de- development of marketing, marketing communications, advertising, uh, I would say that the, the diversity within the industry is around like maybe 5%. That seems pretty low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but if you're just looking for a representative of the population, mm-hmm. uh, my understanding is that the Hispanic community in America is larger than 5% of our population, yeah. right? Yeah, I believe it's around like 16% right now. Um, I, I was reading not too long ago a, a really powerful document. Uh, Nielsen released a report called Latina 2.0. And um, in it, they were talking about how Hispanic women are now the leaders in the United States of uh, defining beauty, communications, interesting, uh, community, um, food. uh, They 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 lead the United States in defining what is currently trending. Interesting. Why why do you think that is? Well, um, uh, Hispanics are very uh, socially oriented. Okay. You know, we tend to. share more information they need to share there there's there's a number of reasons we're, we're very young we're very connected to technology which we're very con- we're very connected to social media okay. uh, which is a, an opportunity for you to share your voice so that that community or cultural voices it sounds like it's put out there in a lot more areas than maybe other parts of our culture yeah exactly okay Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought that. That's well, you know, and what the thing about it is that it's a it's a they're they're, very, they're a very powerful spending uh, community as well. The U.S. Hispanic market within the borders of the U.S. is the seventh largest economy of the world. It's bigger than India, which is the most populous country in the world. That's like a billion people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so 50, not... fifty-five million or so is is like a one point five trillion dollar a year industry. So it's interesting, and we talked about this a little bit before we started, but, you know, sitting here in the, in the heart of the Midwest, mm-hmm. how do you convey the message sometimes to a community that might hear something about diversity and immediately think, that's a threat to me? Mm-hmm. Do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's unfortunate. I think people don't understand there's a big difference between I'm taking something from you versus I'm showing you a huge opportunity yeah, for your yeah, business. Yeah. I mean, that's, this is like a completely unreached market for some businesses, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's, what's amazing is that uh, more often than not, uh, when I'm meeting with businesses, they have yet to do anything for the Hispanic market or outreach. Uh, they may have translated something, but in terms of sharing that information with the market, uh, that oftentimes is not happening. Um, and I'm, I'm generally meeting with companies that are saying, you know, 
do, do we call you guys Hispanic or Latino? That's where our discussions are starting off. But but having a deeper understanding of the consumer habits is very challenging to find. And what we're really trying to do when we're meeting with clients is I'm trying to find them new consumers, I'm trying to help them become yeah. more profitable. This is the function of market. Absolutely. <laughs> to absolutely. get the message out to grow And you know, they've been they've business. been working on reaching out to the general market uh, for some time and they're they've been happy with one and two percent growth rate, but there's a huge market that's growing out there that they haven't tapped yet. This market is fifteen years younger than the average market. Uh, it, the spending power is growing by fifty percent in the last five years. Uh, they're online more. They're on, they're downloading more. They're on their mobile phones more. Uh, they're streaming more. They're on their uh, computers more than the general market. There's all these things that make the Hispanic market the perfect market for you to grow uh, new consumers. And on top of that, they're growing at a 167% growth rate. You see, when it gets down to the data, the metrics, the numbers, mm-hmm. if I would think if you put those market dynamics and, and that data in front of any company, mm-hmm. don't tell them what the market is. Every single one's gonna say, man, we, we've got to be there. You're right. When you put those types of numbers in front of a, a brand, and you would think that they'd be all over it, what if I could? If I ask you, why? What do you think is stopping them from? You know, I try to apply questions like that to myself. Um, I don't know if fear is the right word. Um, I think, I think there's a touchiness or a perceived touchiness about anything race or culturally related. It's like, what if we make a misstep? How bad is it going to hurt? Um, I think that's unfortunate because at least through things like this podcast, I found that honest conversations that happen, it's not touchy. It's simply, you know what? I don't have the best understanding of a culture, a, a, an area, things like that. Help me understand it. So, I'm not sure as a brand or a corporation that they they know how to ask that question, right? Yeah. So uh, part of what you do, my impression is that you help them ask those questions and answer them, right? right? Yeah. We, uh, I mean, we certainly, there's always research that's done ahead of time. Uh, I'm going to look into, for example, like right now I'm looking into some dairy. You know, Hispanics over-index in dairy tremendously. Okay. Cheese, queso, cream, milks. Uh, they're feeding larger families. Honestly, that's one part of it. But at the same time, they use a lot of those products in their foods. Okay. Uh, so they tend to over-index in that. And you know, a lot of people don't know what over-index means. But it's like the general market is, let's say, you know, uses uh, cheese. Let's see, eighty-five percent of the time, Hispanics will over-index. They'll buy it ninety-five percent of the time. So you're talking, you know, if you're looking at the bell curve, you're talking somebody that's two standard eaves over on the uh, the right side. Yeah. That those are your power users. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, whether it's ice cream, movie theaters, mm-hmm. dairy, um, soda pop, um, mobile phones, mobile plans, tires, computers. I mean, with, with a young, with a population that's young, where their average age is 27, you know, these people are like young, voracious buyers. These are like, uh, it's funny, it's like millennials on steroids, mm-hmm. what you're telling me. I yeah. mean, they're more engaged socially, they're more engaged technologically, they're, you know, all these things. So the first answer a company might come up with might be like, well, let's take our ads and hit Google Translate. Mm-hmm. That doesn't always really 
translate effectively right. though, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and that's, that's really difficult to uh, uh, communicate sometimes too. I think Americans are very ethnocentric. You know, we're very America mm-hmm. first type ideals. Yeah. And, they, and, and so many people think, uh, again, just due to lack of uh, diversity that you can plug in an English word and there's another <laughs> Spanish word just to match it word for word. Yeah, it doesn't really work that it, way. It doesn't does work it? that way. It really doesn't. The concept doesn't always come through or, or the context. Absolutely. Right? I mean, often, most of the times, uh, most of the time when we work with brands, their first engagement with us is like, here's our English ad, make it Spanish. <laughs> and we've got to literally completely tear down the, 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 the message, find out what they're trying to convey, and then write something in Spanish that's culturally relevant that means similar, but you can't do it. It just doesn't work worth So word. essentially, the whole industry of teaching copywriting is probably based on an English basis. Yeah. So you've got a lot of people out there that understand copywriting from their cultural view and and, and this lens over here is is just not used yet. Right. They is there anywhere that's that's building that, you know, that that basis in a marketing program as far as a, a an educational system? Yeah. Well you know um uh, from an educational system I don't know if they're doing that yet. Um, when I talk to college students, uh, you know, in advertising departments of colleges and things like that, I always tell them, study this market because yeah. it is the, it is the future. 10, 50%, more than 50% of the entire U S population in the last 10 years has become, has been because of the Hispanic market. More than 50% every year for the last 10 years, probably 15 now, wow. has been because of the Hispanic market. And I don't care where somebody like ends up politically or this or that or whatever. If you want to just look at something from a pure business standpoint, it'd be stupid to ignore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of stupid businesses out there, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so, but you know, I, I, I really, I really want to work with them and help them because I really just want my goal is to make them more profitable to open up a whole new market that just floods in. Because yeah. if you can do something, because there's, there's a lot of first-to-market opportunities out there. There are first-to-market opportunities out there everywhere. For Which is, Hispanic everybody's market. looking for the blue ocean, right? Absolutely, <laughs> man. I mean, so it's like, let's get on it, man, because this is growing. If, if your competitor gets on it first, they're on it first. So how does somebody that's got their, their novel business here in Kansas City, we've got a great startup community, you know, I think a lot of that starts because, you know, you start with what you know, mm-hmm. right? right? So they're they're culturally relevant for their community. Mm-hmm. How do they start reaching out? How, how does it happen? Yeah. You know, I would say that definitely you, you definitely want to just start with some basic research. All of this information about the markets and what their habits are uh, is, is just everywhere out there. In fact, uh, advertising age, which is the big industry mm-hmm. rag, um, they put every year for I don't even know how long they put out the Hispanic fast pack. And, and I just got actually an email notification about it yesterday. Uh, so everyone who's in the advertising industry, they get this big magazine that tells you what companies are spending the most, where Hispanics spending the most. There's like just it's it's even if you do the most surface information, you'll find amazing amounts of data. So everybody seems to know it's there. Yeah. Nobody seems to know what to do with it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> okay. And, and hence, wow. hence, go back to my original issue of the lack of diversity is is causing. A lot of companies have a lot of analysis paralysis. Um, Do they just kind of throw their hands up and say, we don't understand this? That's pretty much it. That's that's an unfortunate truth. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, because I, I know I certainly, I know I could be, should be more more busy uh, than what I am because there are so many opportunities, but there are companies that have just not taken that opportunity yet uh, because they're, they, want, they don't want to make mistakes, but the mistake is not doing anything. That's the biggest mistake. So it makes me, it's, it's curious, it makes me wonder, what does that first call sound like <laughs> that comes from a company that's not doing anything? It's yeah. like, Nicholas, I saw something online. What do we do? Is, is that what they do? Is it, we're just clueless, help us, mm -hmm. is ideally what they say? <laughs> you know, honestly, the, the, the like I said before, the, the first meeting with the client is generally like, here's our English ad, can you make it Spanish? And then we have to start asking questions like, yeah. which audience are you going for? Are you, which Where is the media that you're, where are you placing this media, for example? Um, are you going to New York? Is it going to Florida, Texas, uh, Los Angeles? Is it going internationally? Um, because and, and here's a, here's a funny situation. One time that happened. Uh, one time here locally in Kansas City, I bumped into a casting for a Hispanic woman to read a script. I don't know how I happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, <laughs> but uh, this company was doing some castings. There's like four girls sitting outside waiting to go in to read a script. They're all practicing, and I I was really surprised that I didn't know about it. But uh, there they were, and uh, and. I asked each one, I was like, where are you from? And this one was from Venezuela, Argentina, Mexico, and this was American bilingual Latina. Okay. And uh, I was like, wow, I mean. That's awesome representation. It though. sounds great, but here's where the, the, the conundrum comes in. The people who were doing the casting, none of them were Hispanic and none of them you know, knew Spanish. They just counted on the Latinas to who knew Spanish and were bilingual. But what they didn't realize was that um, Spanish from Argentina sounds different from Colombia, sounds different from okay. Venezuela, sounds different from Mexico. And we're not just talking accent, <clears throat> we're talking all everything from actual Spanish to Portuguese influence yeah. to everything. Actually. Yeah, not too long ago, uh, we were doing a commercial for a company, and, and uh, the Latina was from the Dominican Republic. Uh, beautiful Latina, has a great voice, but she sounded Dominican. But the majority of the audience in the U.S. is uh, Mexican. Okay. So there's a, there's a difference in tone. Just like Cubans sound very different from the Puerto Ricans, sound very different from Mexicans. They just they speak differently. There's there's this different pace and cadence okay. to the to the speaking. So you've got to make that 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 language as 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 central or almost like as Midwest as mm -hmm. as you can. You know? Sure. That's why a lot of uh, commercials are done here because we don't have much of an accent. Yeah, uh, that's why call centers are where more call centers located here in the Midwest than anywhere else because we have the smallest amount of accent versus New York, LA. So you can like you that. can reach more people. Yeah. So um, so I, I let the people know in the in the casting booth. I was like, you know, does these ladies all speak different types of Spanish? And without them knowing it, they're just gonna gonna go into that Spanish spot, you know, just choosing the prettiest one they like, and uh, and not realizing that they might be choosing someone from Argentina who has an accent that people may not like to hear. Totally not going to connect with who they're trying to reach. Exactly. Well, because let me tell you something. Uh, Latinos know where you're from really? based on the way you speak. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had no idea. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I'm, I'm probably the typical Midwesterner around here. I don't have a depth of experience with, um, with a lot of our other communities. I'm trying to get that, yeah. but... Not too long ago, a client uh, was talking to us about how they produced a, 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 
a com- not a commercial, but almost like a promotional video about themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, the only bilingual staffer they had was an Argentinian, and okay. she did the voiceover on the piece. Uh, you know, it's about their business, what they do, they're amazing, blah, blah, blah. Voice on our, our Spanish voiceover. They were like, okay, sounds great. They took it to Colombia, and as soon as they started playing it, the clients realized, uh-oh, something's wrong. <laughs> because everyone starts looking at each other like, you know, what, what, who is this, why is this? Uh, and there's a Colombian audience using a bar, Argentinian voiceover, and it did not go over well. Well, I guess it, you know, for folks like me to understand it, it would be like taking someone from the UK here to yeah. record a commercial for those in the Midwest. They speak English, don't they? they don't they speak English? Exactly. But And therefore, they should be able to relate and understand everything that you're saying. <laughs> there's so many different phrases, emphasis on things. For it's example, when I, have to go to use, right? when I have to go use the loo. Right. Well, that, you don't say that? <laughs> <laughs> Some people... I didn't know we were going to get an impression today. This is <laughs> So... So where does this where does this go for you from here? Obviously, you're still going to keep yeah. you know building on this. Are you still involved with um, casting type stuff? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would say that the, the, the bulk of my work uh, has always revolved around diversity. Okay. You know, I, I I think that when you're a person of color and you're and you're kind of made aware of how things work, you have to fight for others to have opportunities. And I've always looked at uh, multicultural marketing as um, a long-term investment for myself uh, because I'll, I'll be doing this for a long time. It's not something I can stop doing. You know? right. it's, my brain is turned that way. And so therefore, I started companies like uh, you know, Segura Marketing uh, where we've been doing multicultural marketing for a long time. But uh, I also started Segura Talent Agency where we exclusively represent ethnic and multilingual talent for commercial prints, broadcasts, and voiceover. So things like that, I'm guessing, you know, if, if you go out and you hire a, a talent agency that doesn't understand the cultural differences between country to country or mm-hmm. language differences, then they're going to get the instance that you described versus you're going to ask the questions up front. Who are you trying to reach? This population. Okay, this is the direction. So you can guide companies what talent to use to make their campaigns more effective. Exactly. You know, I mean, the what we also, besides having the ethnic talent, I also am trying to convey to a lot of companies that diversity is really a key. When you think about the Hispanic audience, I mean, it is incredibly diverse. There are blonde haired, blue eyed Latinos, mm-hmm. red head, freckle face uh, Latinos. <laughs> you know, uh, 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 Alvarez, uh, there's a boxer. That not too long ago, I went to see a boxing fight, Alvarez and uh, um, Mayweather. Yeah. And I, I wasn't planning on going to this fight. You know, a friend was watching, <laughs> showing the fight, and I was like, I'll stop by and hang out with some friends. You know, I'm not a big boxing person. But Alvarez is this guy from Mexico. Do you know him? Uh, I've heard the name. I'm not a huge fight fan, but I... I, I didn't know who he was him. until I walked into this fight, and this guy is... This looks like a kid from Boston, redhead, red, freckled <laughs> face, white boy kid. Oh, come on. We he's, love our stereotypes. And he's America, from Mexico right? City, and he didn't speak a lick of English. He was singing a national anthem, and my brain was just blown. I was like, wow, this is perfect. Louis C.K., Louis C.K. was, uh, I believe he was born in Mexico as well. You're kidding. Yeah, yeah. He's got dual citizenship. He's, I mean, he's bilingual. <laughs> he, no kidding. The guy just, to, 
looks like normal chubby white guy comic, right? No, he. I mean, you know, he's he's no, he's, he's got <laughs> dual citizenship, I believe. He's Latino. Um, Lupita Nyong'o. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a Latina, like her first name Lupita. You know, she is. I believe she was born in Mexico. You know, oh. so look at the difference between Lupita and Louis. And you have everything in between. That's a wide that range. is the Latino community, and that's what I'm really trying to share with the market: is that it's you are all we are not all just olive skin, black haired. Uh, like I say, we we love our stereotypes here, don't we? Yeah, we do. You know, <laughs> we <laughs> do love oh our stereotypes. We do. We do. Yeah, and I feel like generationally that's starting to break down some. I I, 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 would I hope so. I would agree with you. Yeah, younger younger people are not thinking the way older people are yeah. thinking. Yeah, I mean it's. I guess people think it's worked for years, so I change it. But uh, everybody's everybody's pretty different. I can't remember where I read it, but you had given a fantastic example of your mother. If I remember right, she received these mailer pieces. Oh yeah, that are all in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Totally play into a stereotype there. Well, I think, but it broke down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that it's, I don't know if that was necessarily a stereotype, but uh, companies they see a Spanish surname. And they just assume, okay, that one goes in Spanish. So they send the, the exactly. mailer. Take that, send that to Carlos Gomez, the current executive director of the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. He's not going to be able to read that in Spanish either. Uh, send that to... It's not just a language, people, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's not just a language. It is it's culture. Um, in fact, one time I was, I was pitching a commercial where uh, there wasn't any language at all. I, I, you know, I'm reaching out to car companies. And uh, they were, well, I'll say, how do we... How do, how do we reach this audience i was like hey i mean you got people you have latinos that speak spanish dominant and then english dominant and everything in between Mm -hmm. but they all understand the the struggle the family things like that and so i pitched the idea of producing a commercial where like the mom uh picks up the kids and she's sitting in the car by herself silently just kind of enjoying this brand new car (laughs) that she's got and then in the background you see the school doors open and then and then seconds later the doors rush in the kids rush in the car with speaking in English and in Spanish and the mom looks in the camera and goes, well, there goes my moment. And she drives off, you know, to be a, you know, a transportation uh, mule again. But, uh, uh, you know, it eliminated the whole language thing whatsoever. Yeah. But there was a woman enjoying her moment of That's peace universal. and quiet in her new car, which is universal. Absolutely. Studies show that when you have a print ad or a commercial with a, uh, a person of color in the ad, it reaches... Uh, African-American, Asian, Hispanic, white women, but when you just have a blonde-haired, blue-eyed uh, model, those those people of color don't necessarily connect with that ad as much. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, Nicholas, one thing I always love to do on these is get new perspectives on Kansas City and mm-hmm. new ideas and stuff like that. So I always love to know uh, what I call our, our guests' hidden gems. Things in Kansas City that you think might be overlooked or extra special to you and they're not always hidden but I, you know what's what's your favorite about our town it could be anything restaurant park business whatever that's a that's a that's a real that's you know i'm a it's a very broad brush yeah and i'm a i'm a, <laughs> I'm a big fan of kansas city i, I just joined uh, for example i just joined an international uh, meetup group oh very cool uh, you know and it said it's for internationals only to learn about kansas city and I contacted the owner of it, and I was like, "Do you have to be international? Because I love Kansas City, and I love to share my to share city with, with others. people. Yeah. So it's like I might not be international, but I'd be happy to help out. Just help share with people. Yeah. 
you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm still a huge fan of the plaza. I, w- I always tell the story about how when I was in high school, uh, our humanities class took an ar- uh, architectural scavenger hunt on the plaza looking for Corinthian columns and Spanish tile and you know, okay. iron, things like that. Um, but I think one of the big areas that people are, that's really hot right now is the North Kansas City area. Uh, I got some clients up there, and they're you know that area is growing rapidly. Oh, it's, it's and yet it's still 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 pretty affordable compared to other parts of the city. With like for example downtown, the the new you know uh, buildings that are going up for the apartments and kind of yeah, not exactly affordable housing. Not that way, yeah, exactly. But you know, you know, uh, hopefully we do something in the city to also maintain. Um, our affordability. That's mm-hmm. what I, I, that's probably the biggest hidden gem about Kansas City People is the incredible no affordability. I am lucky enough to be in an amazing space like this, which is, you know, it's the right place at the right time, but it's for what I'm getting here, it's at a very affordable place. You take this space to the coast and you're, to, you're in the millions. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, easily. Yeah, up in Chicago, <laughs> New York City, this is easily a $10,000 a month, easily a $10,000 oh, a month space. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. So, um, but I think also just the other hidden gem is really uh, the the diverse creatives in Kansas City. There are uh, a lot of young, creative, diverse individuals, and there are people we're working on bringing them together right now. Uh, I just worked with a young guy named Nico Giles the other day, Nico Giles, and uh, he uh, he had a we brought had a gathering over here where we had young photographers, creatives, web designers, videographers, kind of just meet up and just share what each other's doing in the world. Uh, and I'm working on growing that link, that group on LinkedIn right now as well. Nice. Uh, because, you know, advertising agencies, they're, they keep saying, we, we can't find them. And I'm like, they are they're right here. here. They're growing like grass <laughs> underneath you. So they're absolutely here. Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, Nicholas, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day, giving us a space to, to talk today and just kind of helping open our eyes a little bit to something that's right in front of us, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that we don't see it. How can somebody day to day just open their own eyes a little bit mm-hmm. more? You know, I, you know, one of the things that I think that is the easiest thing that people can do is really just put themselves in new situations where they have to deal with uh, different cultures and people. You know, you 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 and I have always heard those stories where, uh, when people are forced to be in another group that's unlike themselves, they find, you know, the humanity there, mm-hmm. and uh, and when they do that, they their eyes are opened up. They start with the common ground, and then they grow to the fascination. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the shows that was like done that was like I don't know. It wasn't Trading Places, but uh, the guy that I. The guy who did supersize me, I think he hosted oh, the show. Yeah. But like, for example, uh, like a, like some some redneck was put into a, a guy who was against immigration was put into a, a Hispanic family's mm-hmm. immigrants home for a week, and then maybe they had to one of their members had to spend yeah. a week in their house. But that that guy left that situation changed, uh, and I know that can happen. Uh, and so, but what what happens is that a lot of times in our worlds, people go to work. They go to Target, they go to the grocery store, they go home. Work, (laughs) Walmart, home. And they don't find opportunities to meet people of other cultures and races and colors. And in fact, I I I read a report some time ago that like nearly 80% of white Americans don't interact with people from other cultures throughout their day. Hmm. And and to me, I'm like, we, we are America and 
this is a land of immigrants. We all know that. Absolutely. To at some level, we all started there. Exactly. So to we have so to embrace that, embrace diversity, because diversity increases profitability, increases innovation. Uh, it's all good. But we've got to do more than just give uh, that lip service. Absolutely. Well, yeah. thanks again for taking the time, man. It's been an awesome conversation. Yeah. I think I, I've learned a lot. So. I appreciate it. Thanks, and thanks for having me on the show. Uh, I'll do what I can to share with people. I appreciate the opportunity. Sounds good, man. Have a great day. Thank you very much. Hey, everybody. This is Scott. Thanks for joining us this week. Honestly, I don't know what else there is to say about that conversation with Nicholas. He was so open and so great about sharing the challenge to open our eyes a little bit to other cultures and not just because someone's over here raising their hand saying, look at me, but because frankly, from a business standpoint, it's smart. So thanks again for joining us this week. I hope you're back again next time. And of course, if you know somebody you think would be great on the show, let me know, scott at kcgreats.com. See you next time.